Hi, I'm Shane Van Gisbergen. Hi, I'm Chaz Mostert. Hi, I'm Jamie Wincup. Hey, I'm Scott Pipe. Hi, I'm Nick Perkett. You are listening to Inside Supercars. For sure, I think if I get to drive more and more and more, uh, for sure, you know, I'm going to feel more comfortable. I nearly told him to calm down in the end. I'm like, mate, you're making me stressed. I'm stressed enough as is. In 2014, Chaz Mostert and Paul Morris won Bathurst. The race finished at almost 6.30 and 5.2 million people were watching at the end of that race. So a quarter of the Australian population watched Chaz win that race. That's a pretty you know, compelling figure to, to drop on anybody. <laughs> From the racetracks across Australia and around the world, here's Inside Supercars. And welcome again to Inside Supercars with Craig Lavelle and Tony Whitlock. Hello, Craig. Good evening, Tony. What a weekend it was. And I hope you're a bit drier than everyone down there in Tasmania was. Amazing to see that the crowd still turned up in Tassie after we saw a poor crowd at Tasmania, not a great crowd at the Grand Prix. And even though it was bucketing down in Tasmania, they still had a great crowd there. They did indeed. And, of course, while there wasn't much great racing, there was plenty of crashing and bashing. Uh, They had hard work for a few teams. Indeed, a lot of uh, midnight oil was spent at the track and there's a lot of work to be done before we see the cars back on track. In fact, Brad Jones Racing on Tuesday said they are rolling out Jason Bright's Clipsal damage chassis for the Dunlop series because, unfortunately, that team had five cars across the weekend in Tassie that they had to do serious repairs on. Two were crashed early in the weekend in the Dunlop series, and then, of course, the three main game cars were, or Virgin Australia Supercar Championship cars, were all damaged in the uh, 12-car pile-up on Saturday afternoon. And this, of course, comes on the back of their Mick Percat Albert Park rebuild. So, yeah, they'll be stretched. The team that wasn't stretched was the DJR Penske team. Another one-two, uh, and another one-two on the following on from their great work at Albert Park. Um, they're showing the uh, the promise that uh, is more than promise because it's now getting results. It is indeed, and and importantly, you can be fast at one type of track and not fast at the other. They've now gone to three different types of tracks. Um, and they've shown very good results. So that is an indication that it's pure speed, it's a a pure technical uh, package that they're working on now that's being successful, not just uh, as you had with HRT, or formerly formerly HRT now, HSV uh, Mobile One, where they had a, a great street circuit car, but, you know, they were also RENs on every other circuit. I think one of the things that Dick Johnson in particular will be loving is the fact that, yet again, the cars that bear his name and someone else's, that bear his name, are showing great engine speed, great power performance, and on a track, just as the other two were, where straight line speed can really make a big difference. Anyway, we had problems on Saturday with the big crash and losing four cars for the weekend. A number of things related to that meant that... uh, some of the racing was compromised, and in fact, there were no points, no points awarded on Saturday. There were points taken, but none awarded. Mm. So, do you want to tell us about what happened there with Fabian? Well, Fabian lost thirty-five points uh, because of uh, the stewards deemed that he was responsible for uh, contact with uh, contact with Rick, Rick Kelly. That contact then subsequently caused the uh, concertina effect down the field. 
Um, it's interesting that uh, Shane Van Gisbergen, who won the race, doesn't get any points, but um, but Fabian Coulthard could lose 35 points. And I, I spoke to Stephen Chopping, uh, who, of course, is a long-time steward and a great person to speak to about matters of this type because of his uh, fantastic experience in the field. And, and he explained uh, it's not uncommon for people to lose points um, irrespective of whether it's a race or not. You can lose points off your championship. Um, it's not points off your race result. And uh, he said yeah. it's the important thing to remember, that it's points off the championship, not points off the race result, and you can have points deductions by the stewards in qualifying, in practice, and, and there's a whole litany of things you can be done for. But Shane Van Gisbergen made a very good point on social media um, and I'm going to read this uh, verbatim, Tony. To the keyboard yeah. warriors, some of the comments I read last night, he wrote this on Sunday morning going to the track, were appalling. The person that was pushing the most to have the race changed to no points was the person who would have gained the most from it. Think about that. Um, and then he went on to say, the sport's best interest at heart, just my thoughts, Shane Van Gisbergen. And I thought that was a wonderfully uh, expressed opinion there because so many people were quick to jump on it. Now, one of the things I asked Stephen Chopping about, Tony, was the fact that they did start the race again. And he explained to me that the information they were getting up in the box, that they thought the cleanup might have been done a little bit quicker. They knew they weren't going to get many racing laps, but they wanted to endeavour to race the race up until the 5.39 and one lap beyond. And uh, they were making the, uh, the decisions in the best interest of the sport and uh, whilst there was conspiracy theories and a lot of other things, the same stewards that got them to the chequered flag were also the stewards that deemed it was a no-points race. Supercars, yeah. for the conspiracy theorists, had absolutely nothing to do with those decisions. It was the stewards that made those decisions. And uh, I think uh, some of the stuff you can read out there is just uh, absolute rubbish. And, and, you know, you go to the source to get this information, and that's what Stephen was able to provide. Um, one of the other things that showed up well was that PRA in both Cam Waters and Chas Mossert have a couple of stars there. Um, there is uh, Cam, who's sitting, I think, fifth in the points. And Chas, apart from a couple of mistakes, one Saturday in the lead and another one on Sunday, certainly showing plenty of speed. And if he can just get those little errors out of his, uh, his weekend, he'll have a, a much better time. Yes, and, well, they're the best PRAs, aren't they? And uh, and they're a long way in front of the next best. Mark Winterbottom, the former champion in 12th on 189 points. That's, uh, well, it's not quite double his score, but it's getting towards it. And um, and then, of course, Jason Bright is just uh, having a shocker back on 102 points. And he, he's going to have to do a lot of work to dig himself out of the Clipsal hole. There were some other things that uh, involved in the weekend. Um, drivers having wanting to have more input. Scotty McLaughlin talking about that, um, and the fact that uh, uh, their input as drivers into the way in which the championship is framed. Um, some interesting uh, observations there about that. Yeah, Scotty Mack was talking about that at the press conference. He he said there's a few times there that uh, you know they're asking the safety car driver for the condition of the racetrack, and he said. We're sitting there in the cars that have to race. Perhaps uh, some questions should be asked of us. And and uh, Jamie Winkup also added to added to that that whilst he feels the officiating is a big step up from last year, and I know we're going to talk about that at some stage. Um, he 
was also saying that when Alex Rulo could go off the track aquaplaning in um, the morning practice or qualifying, it was in qualifying, and he just went off the track aquaplaning completely, you know, it's a very, very difficult call for the, for the stewards to make. Perhaps the drivers need more input. But he also then hastened to say the stewards are doing a fantastic job. And he also said the track can never dry if you didn't have the cars going around. So it is a yeah. catch-22. Uh, and one last item that, uh, in fact, leads us into our, this week's guest, and that was the uh, great consistency being shown by Dave Reynolds in particular, but by the Erebus team, um, in that they've shown the qualifying and race speed. Wonderful work by Dave Reynolds. And Barry Ryan will be talking to after this next break as the team manager and team principal for Erebus Motorsports. So uh, after this break, it's up with Barry Ryan. Join in the conversation, post your thoughts on our Facebook page, and to ask a question, email insiders at sportradio.com.au. Each week, join the Inside Motorsport team as they look at all the news from across Australia and around the world. This year in Formula 3, I think it's a fantastic environment for me to be doing that. However, I believe for myself, uh, a sustainable career in tin tops such as Bats the Cars in Australia is where I see myself. Second crack at the Australian time since we've been back and been unlucky the first time that we end up with a win there at Speedway City uh, two weeks ago. Inside Motorsport broadcast on community radio and online at sportradio.com.au. Hi, I'm James Moffat. Hi, I'm David Reynolds. And you're listening to Inside Supercars. And now we welcome Barry Ryan as team manager, team principal as well. Well, welcome today to uh, Inside Supercars. Start off with Barry, just to give you a, give uh, listeners uh, some insight into your background. I first met you when you were at John Thorpley, uh where you worked as a mechanic, I understand. Yeah, yeah, I started John since I started 1998. I got introduced to a, a mutual friend. And, um, thought, yeah, this will be a good opportunity to get into professional motorsport, and um, yeah, it was a it was a big experience back then. And there was only you know, two or three full time people, and John, as the driver, was work every day and working on the cars, and there wasn't much you didn't learn back then. So you know, it was really good. And and when you say uh, professional motorsport, you'd been doing some amateur. What was that? Oh, just my own motorsport, racing go-karts, racing motorbikes, um, right. yeah, running my own sort of little wrench team, but professionalising just full-time, that was the only thing I did, so. So, from John Faulkner's, you then went and joined Kelly's, didn't you? Nah, from Faulkner's, I went to, um, oh, what became Kelly's, Kmart Racing. Right, okay. Um, well, I had like a, I had about a two-week stint at um, uh, Gibson Motorsport before it Closed down, or sort of closed down, swapped hands to Double O Motorsport. Right. But yep. um, that turned into something I didn't want to do, and Jeff Gretsch and Todd Kelly rang me, and I worked with Todd at John Faulkner's, and I ended up at Kmart Racing for, uh, what, two and a half, three years. They were very high, successful years as well. Yeah, it was yeah, it was real good, yeah. I left at the start of 2013, that's 2003, sorry. Yep. Um, to go to Larry's because Larry Perkins offered me a good opportunity to sort of step into more of an engineering role. Um, so, you know, I wanted to get off the spanners and uh, do more engineering, so I went to Larry's to do that. Right. And um, the skills that, that you brought to Larry's, that you, you were more than a mechanic then? Oh, I suppose, to be honest, it was a little bit of 
self-promotion, saying I could do more than I could do, but I suppose I had a lot of self-confidence in what I could do. So, um, yeah, I won't say, I probably shouldn't say bullshit, but I bullshitted my way in there a little bit and, yeah, then just made the rest happen, just, just delivered on what I said I could do by working my ass off, virtually. Um, yeah, built dampers, which I learned a little bit at Matt Crawford. Um, yeah, and then a lot of engineering that I learned working closely with Todd Kelly with Kmart. So. And these are the sort of things, though, that as a modern team manager you need to have, is it? A skill set that goes across various functions in the team. Oh, 100%. That's, that's what we probably we lack these days. The, the kids don't get the opportunity to just get thrown in the deep end. It's just so political, politically correct nowadays that you can't sort of take someone on and throw them in the deep end and let them do everything. Well, you can try to, but they just, they're different people nowadays and they just want to sort of concentrate on one task and don't want to do any more than what they've been employed to do. So, right. yeah, it's, a, it's, a, it's definitely evolved in a weird sort of way for, for people that have seen the, the way you can do it and just to be a jack-of-all-trades. You must be pleased with... G'day, Phil. It's Craig Ravel. And uh, this year's uh, uh, consistency. This year? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's, 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 um, it's been, a, I suppose, a proud year so far to build our own car in-house and and see the way it's performed. With this stage, what, we're seven out of eight top ten qualifiers, um, a couple of top fives and... You know, it's just—it's been really good. You know, it's, it's been massive challenge, but we've all taken it on board and, and just run with it. It's been really good. You've had to—you so had to oversee two fairly big changes: the team moving down to Melbourne, and then halfway through the season, moving race shops in Melbourne. How did you yeah. how did you manage that in the middle of a race? Well, firstly you had to move the whole lock, stock, and barrel down, but then mid season you had to do some some fairly big changes to the way the team operated. Because uh, from what I understand, it was a, it was a bit of a mess bringing the GT and the supercar teams into the one small workshop. Yeah, it was, I, I sort of look back and wonder how we did it, but we just um, you know the start of 2016, I walked into the Raven workshop with. Me and Damien Allen and Drew Barrett really were the only real guys there. And we recruited some really good people, luckily, and, um, yeah, just had some people that were just willing to put in the effort and, and just make it happen, which is the big thing. You just need, you don't need, to, out of your 20 people, you don't need 20 people that have that attitude. You need four or five. And luckily, we found that four or five people and we just made it happen. We just didn't shy away from the challenge. And with the way the team's been going and the way you've performed, have you had to change your expectations out of the year? Or are you able to say what we were planning to do at the beginning of the year, we can maintain that focus and maintain that level of expectation? Yeah, to be completely honest, last year we were, I suppose we were on a false expectation that we could do really well. And perform, but you know it wasn't re- it wasn't realistic, especially the first half of the year. And towards the end of the year, though, we started to see the light at the end of the tunnel, and really 
just focused on qualifying, just making the car as fast as we could and didn't think about tyre life or strategy or anything, just as fast as we could make it. And um, this year, I suppose, we've, we still do the same thing. You make a fast car, but you, you think about how you're going to do the, for example, 84 laps on Sunday Simmons Plains and make sure you're fast at the end. So I suppose we're a bit more long-term now, thinking of how we can win a race, not just battle through the qualify good and and make an impression. Is that how much the series changed, that it's no longer just a qualifying competition? Yeah, it's, it's just so overall now. You, you can't get anything wrong. So you've got to have a fast car out the gate. If you're not fast out the gate, you lose half a practice session and everybody else gets so far ahead of you that you can't keep up. So you just got to do your homework in the workshop to make sure you bounce out fast and then just keep that momentum. And, um, you know, having, having someone experienced like that would this year has made a big difference. So even though he probably hasn't got the the high level of results that Dave's got this year, he's he's been helping massively just with his feedback. And he just sort of, he's just got to find his feet a bit on how Dave extracts um, our right speed out of the car. So, um, yeah, I'm really excited to see how Dale's going to go the year. It seems that David has really picked himself up as well because we've all known he's had, had speed in him, but, you know, he's in, enjoying the environment and competing, you know, as well as you are. Yeah. Yeah, I think Dave's just consistent. He, he doesn't he doesn't drive the car unless he's driving 100%. And he really prides himself on not making mistakes and not crashing the car. You know, he really gets upset when he damages the car, and we're like... Mate, you just don't worry about that. Just get out there. Um, sometimes he gets pushed around because he he doesn't want to damage the car and he wants to finish races. But it's so cutthroat now that he knows he's got to step up his, um, I suppose, authority and be a bit more aggressive, which doesn't come natural to him. So that's right. something he's got to work on. But outright talent, driving the car fast, it's not not even a question. Sorry. He is a thinking man's driver, though, and his outward persona doesn't really indicate just how much knowledge and how much uh, thought goes into what he does, Barry. Yeah. Yeah, it's easy to see, look at that, but, you know, he's he's always on the ball. By the time he gets in the car for first practice, wherever he goes, he's done massive amounts of study, whether it's in his own time at, at home or in the workshop with the boys. He's prepared, though, because there's not a gear shift he doesn't know on the track. There's not a line or a thought that he had from the previous year that he hasn't thought about. And he's he's on the pace and the word goes, or as fast as the car will go. Obviously, Barry uh, Erebus is competing this year with two cars in the championship. Outside of the uh, supercars, uh, is, is your GT program on hold? Yeah, we I suppose I've called it, and Betty's called it a bit of a gap year. We just we really want to focus on the supercar thing just to make that part of our business as strong as it can be because it is a business now. You can't, like GT, you can't put it on the shelf and get it for a year. You you um you have to compete in supercars. There's no resting. So we just really want to get that right and then um, decide what's best for us, whether we go back to GTs, in the short term or long term, or you know, Betty's still got big aspirations to do something internationally at some stage in GT racing. 
know, spas always been a, something on her radar that she really loved to take her full Aussie team over there and, and you know, get a strong result. Yep. So, yeah, not finished in GT. We just really need to focus on Supercar. Okay. How many staff full-time have you got on? Uh, full-time, I think about 19 at the moment. That's including, okay. you know, receptionists and, yep. you know, juniors and everybody. And and you're running Walkinshaw engines? Yeah, it's still Walkinshaw engines, yep. And do you have a dedicated person that comes with those engines to each event? Yeah, we have a guy... Um, uh, Warren was a he comes from Walkinshaws and spends a whole weekend with us and you know, it's it's really good. Like it's a strong relationship. And, and they've always had good engines and I would assume the same would old said now. Yeah, there's never any question on the engines like yeah, we we're not stupid, we know that because the engine is slightly better it's gonna go to those cars but we know the specifications are the same because the rules pretty much have a transparency in them that you can see. Everybody's engines, what spec they are, and so there's never any question there. We just we just worry about getting the car fast. The the one engine uh, component that does seem to be standing out is the Penske's. The, they they threw out certainly in Adelaide with Fabian and Scotty and Grand Prix as well. And I yeah. assume I didn't see enough of it, but I assume the same at Simmons. As per Dick Johnson for many years, always. We're very proud of the fact his engines were amongst the strongest. Is that what it appears at the moment for you? They just have a little edge? Oh, I think, you know, our engines from what we we told and what we've been shown are on the cap of what you can develop as in horsepower. And you, know, you can only really manage the torque and horsepower the way they've structured it to be so much. So I think, you know, it's so much in the chassis. If the chassis is good, you come off the corner goods, your engine looks good. You can have the same engine one week that looks really bad because the chassis is bad, and the same engine the next week you get the chassis wrong and the engine looks good. So I think, you know, it's just a whole package. And as long as your engine's in the window where it needs to be, it's not really a factor. So after the next break, we'll come back and talk to Barry Ryan, Airbus Motorsport General Manager. The views expressed on Inside Supercars, including the panellists and guests, do not reflect the views of the network, Thunder Media or Sport Radio. Any publication or rebroadcast of the show without the expressed written permission of Thunder Media is strictly prohibited. Each week, join the Inside Motorsport team as they look at all the news from across Australia and around the world. Yeah, I mean, it, it means a lot. You know, through the years, a lot of reference this race is one of our majors. 600 miles around here is no easy task. Uh, we were able to beat the two laps to the boys and, uh, and meet Anthony Bigley in the final, which uh, we were able to um, take the win off him. So it was, uh, yeah, it was a great weekend for the uh, Raptor family. Inside Motorsport broadcast on community radio and online at sportradio.com.au. Hi, I'm Shane Van Gisbergen. Hi, I'm Jamie Wincup. Hi, I'm Nick Percap. You are listening to Inside Supercars. And welcome back. And now, Craig, we'll go back to talk to Barry. You mentioned before, Barry, that you you wanted to make that move over to uh, engineering and team management. How do you how do you do the the people management? Everyone I speak to uh, in high levels, uh, whether it's a, a, a chief engineer uh, or a team principal, they say the biggest difficulty, the biggest trick is how you can work with people and interact with so many different personalities. How have you developed that skill? Uh, I'd give probably a lot of credit to people like John Faulkner. He was a real, he's a hard ass. Like, um, 
like the Larry Perkins, you know, the years I spent with Larry was incredible for learning how to deal with people. You know, a lot of people think Larry dealt with people in a harsh way, but I see it as a as a way that just teaches you you do the right thing and you're a strong character, you, you learn a lot. And this day and age, unfortunately, bosses like Larry used to be would probably get drawn up before um, fair work every five minutes. Because um, you can't talk to anybody or yell at anybody or, you know, discipline anybody these days. So I think just the hard-ass nature of the bosses I had in the past have really helped me get to the point where I am and appreciate what they showed me good compared to what they showed me bad. And do you still have to balance a natural reaction to, say, give someone a clip over the ears to uh, what you know oh, you have to do? How, how 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 hard is it to hold back? Yeah, I'm, I'm not a very patient person, but I've grown a lot of patience in the last few years with what we've been through. So I think, yeah, you still got to... You still gonna be hard on people because it's a professional environment, and we're not. It's not just a job. We're not there to play. We're there to win races, and um, you know, service our sponsors and partners that, that back us. And um, yeah, this, we, it can't be a joke. We try and make it um, a, a good place to be. Everybody wants to be at work, but the same thing. We're not there to be friends. We're we're there to be a team and work together. Mm. Where's the series now compared to five, ten years ago, in your opinion? Oh, it's much more um, cutthroat and demanding. There's so much break between rounds and there's so much you have to do. Probably the commercial side is the biggest side. And me, I'm, as a general manager, I obviously know pay all the bills and know what's coming in, know what's going out, um, know, what it, know what we need to do to service our commercial partners and Make sure that they see the value in what they're doing with us. Um, it's that one, that's the biggest thing that's changed. Yeah, the people just don't want to put a sticker on the car anymore. You need to show on why they're doing it and how much value they're getting out of it. So it's probably the biggest thing, and just the, the people getting the the attitude of the people to be um, just racist, just wanting to win. You know, being there at midnight doesn't matter. Um, just yeah, just being passionate. That's the biggest thing. Given that the uh, you're in the most competitive touring uh, car category uh, on uh, road circuits, what are the things that you see that you can do now? What are the things that you need to fill up to get you consistently in that top five? Um, yeah, I think like I said before, it's being confident when you go at the gate that you're going to be close. You know, we, we don't, we've set ourselves a goal, we're not making excuses this year, but, you know, this is our second year in a hole, and I'll say but, it's not an excuse, but last year we were just really treading water and trying to find our feet, and we don't really look at what we did, say, going to Phillip Island next weekend, but we hardly even going to look at what we did at Phillip Island last year, because we were so wrong, so bad, but we're really starting again, it's just we, we've got some confidence now, but seven out of eight this year we've made the top 10 so if we use utilise the package we've been using we're going to be close we're just going to make really yeah. good decisions on the day there's an awful lot of people who won't remember and I know you would you were there in the late 90s and early 2000s when HRT would roll their cars out of the truck and bang bang they were fast every yeah. time 
didn't matter yeah. what day it was, didn't matter what time of year, what sort of day it was, there they were. They were always fast. And that's yeah. the thing, I suppose, that you'd be aiming for. Oh, yeah, 100%. That's like Triple Eight are now, pretty much. They don't get it wrong much. Um, probably in the last six months, of, well, it's still disrespectful, but they've probably dropped off a little bit compared to <coughs> the dominance they had. But that's because everybody has to step up, I think, and you know, sometimes it's not good enough to roll out like it was the year before. You've got to be ready to, to go another step and go faster again. Barry, are you uh, able to uh, give the guys a bit of a break? Uh, I, I don't remember you having too much damage and too much uh, extra work to do other than prepping the cars. So is the team able to have a stand down for four days? Yeah, Easter, we're all having Easter off, so... It's, um, it's going to be a big couple of days for the rest of this week to get to the Friday, but the drivers, to their credit, didn't really put a scratch on the car, so we didn't replace one panel all weekend. So compared to some other teams, we're in a pretty good situation. So you know, we're just general mechanical work, clean the cars, because obviously it's rain, so it's always a big job to clean them. Tie them up and put them back in the truck, so it's um, it's going to be good to... Give the guys a whole Easter. It makes makes happy families, so happy wife, happy life sort of thing. <laughs> and do you stay down at Phillip Island? Stay down there? Yeah. Does the team all stay at Phillip Island? Yeah, the whole team stays there together, yeah. 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 I, I sometimes like to come home if we've had an early session, but it's only yeah. an hour drive, so but, uh, generally we're trying to stay together, even though it's in Melbourne. Oh, well, that's, uh, that's fantastic for you, Barry. I'm really pleased to see you having this success. And, and the ultimate success, obviously, is uh, podiums and wins, but they can't be far yeah. away with the way you, you, you're plugging away and getting the car so consistently up there. Yeah, I know. It's, it's, it's probably made this year a bit tougher with the uh, thing, thanks to getting Ludo on board, because now we've got, we'll call it, the three, including Will Davison, four, and Plus the two Penske cars, is at least six cars that have got really solid engineering bases. So um, to be inside that top six, you've got to be doing a good job. So yeah, we still turn the top ten every time we go out, and um, if we can get the car a little bit better and a bit more consistent. Hopefully, we can get some more podiums and tick off a race win before the end of the year. Well, wonderful, Barry. It's been great talking to you, and I look forward to catching up down at Phillip Island. And after the break, uh, we'll uh, come back and wrap things up. Thanks so much, Barry. Much appreciated. Join in the conversation. Post your thoughts on our Sport Radio Facebook page. Each week, join the Inside Motorsport team as they look at all the news from across Australia and around the world. And, you know, every every year I see Jackie Stewart at the Grand Prix and I just remind myself of of his part in in starting the the path to safer cars. Dissecting the sport with interviews, news and opinion. Jack Brabham certainly left his mark not only on Australian motorsport but motorsport all around the world. Inside Motorsport broadcast on community radio and online at sportradio.com.au Hi, I'm Rick Kelly. Hi, I'm Lee Holdsworth and you're listening to Inside Supercars. Well, that's certainly a a big job that they've uh, tackled and... uh, Starting to succeed with for Barry Ryan and the Erebus team, a, a far cry from the team that uh, Ross and Jimmy Stone sold to Eddie Clemenko, but they've certainly carved their own niche and making their own uh, way in the world. Your final thoughts for this week, Craig? 
My final thought was uh, partly along the lines of the comment I made to Barry about having an Easter break. Uh, Red Bull Racing, Red Bull HRT Racing is uh, also having a complete Easter break, which I know most of their staff is thrilled about. In fact, the team didn't leave Tasmania until Tuesday evening. They actually have completely prepped their cars and their cars are staying down in Melbourne for the next uh, couple of weeks until Phillip Island. And isn't that just part of the difference between running up the front and not having any dramas and getting involved in the bash and crash mid-pack? Also... How fresh are their guys going to be, Tony, when they get to Phillip Island, much like we heard from uh, Barry and his Erebus team, because they've had that four days away, that four days to escape? Yes, indeed. And, you know, it is so important this day and age that keeping your crew fresh, I mean, it's like in Formula One, no one's allowed to work on their car on Saturday night, you know, just to try and make sure that no one ends up being uh, waterlogged and damaged from a weekend of hard, uh, hard yakka. My final thought revolves around this weekend's Bathurst Six Hour. Again, where production cars rule the roost at Mount Panorama Circuit. It's the third of their big events for the year, after the 12 hour in February, and then coming up to the uh, October 1000K race. And it's fantastic that they get such large fields in this production race with enormous variety, you know, everything from the four-wheel drives, the front-wheel drives, the rear-wheel drives. It's just fantastic race. Uh, and it should be another great event, and we'll be able to look back and, and see what the highlights of uh, that event next week. Yeah, it is going to be interesting to see how this edition goes. Don't forget, Chaz Mostert is the defending champion too. Yes, indeed. He and uh, Morecambe. Morecambe. Nathan Morecambe, yeah. yeah. And they've got a new car, I believe, this year. So that will be good to look at and see. So... From Inside Supercars, it's Craig Lavelle and Tony Woodlock saying farewell for now. Inside Supercars is produced by Thunder Media. Tune in next week for more at sportradio.com.au or lock in the podcast on your iTunes or mobile device. Search Inside Supercars. Inside Supercars.